Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true through the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. Our scripture reading is Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set Jesus on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan! For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering unto him. Have you ever been completely alone in a wilderness? Our gospel story today is the account of Jesus entering into the wilderness to be alone with God and to suffer temptation. Our text says in verse 1 that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. Mark's gospel says the Spirit drove Jesus. This wilderness experience was all part of God's plan for his son. What was it like to be tempted in the wilderness? Our Lord entered into solitude and silence to be in communion with his heavenly Father. Why did our Lord subject himself to temptation? Because in his humanity, Jesus must be refined tried and tested in order that he might be prepared for his earthly ministry. The king has begun his mission to bring the kingdom of God to mankind. 
Therefore the Father leads his Son into the path of temptation so that the quality of his obedience might be tested. Remember that Jesus Christ was both the ideal servant of God and the ideal Son of God. The people of Israel in the Old Testament, called out of Egypt to be God's holy people, had faced temptations and failed. Jesus must now gallantly succeed where Old Testament Israel had miserably failed. Jesus is also the second Adam, who must reverse the sin of the first Adam by his own righteousness. By the first Adam's free choice, he disobeyed God and was separated from the source of life, dying first in soul and then in body. The second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, by his free choice of obedience to God, abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Where the first Adam failed and succumbed to the devil, Jesus must succeed and be victorious over the devil. Hebrews 5 verses 7 to 8 says, In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. The application to each of us, beloved, is clear. God never tempts us so that we fall into sin. He allows us to enter the path of temptation so that we might prove the genuineness of our obedience to him. He wants us to prove our faith, trust, and dependence upon him. Temptation is the testing of faith in the furnace of suffering. Jesus must believe in God as real and present and faithful even when experiences of hardship and suffering seem to contradict such faith. Faith under trial is valuable because it comes from the deep center of the person, from the will, not the feelings which are dependent upon what happens in the outer world. Notice that the time of the temptation was just after Jesus' baptism. God had just spoken in an audible voice from heaven to declare his highest praise for his Son. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The clouds parted, and the Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. Now Jesus is thrust into the desert to be tested. How will the Son of God act in a deadly contest with the devil? Jesus knows the Prince of Darkness and his craftiness, yet he courageously strides out to meet him. The first assault and repulse by Jesus has to do with physical hunger. It is the temptation to despair of his Father's goodness. Verses 4 and 5. Notice that Jesus was so deeply focused upon communion and prayer with his heavenly Father that his need and desire for food were temporarily suspended. But after 40 days and 40 nights, he became very hungry indeed. Satan comes to him and says, 
Command that these stones become bread. The situation in which Jesus found himself seemed utterly out of character with his dignity. Here was the Son of God starving. Is it not foolish to continue to be fiercely hungry when a simple word would spread a banquet feast before him in the desert? Jesus repulses Satan. It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. There is a twofold meaning in his response. First, he is teaching that God cares for man and feeds him by bread or without bread. It is God's will operating through our physical bodies that feeds us, either by ordinary means or by other means according to God's power. But Jesus will not use his miraculous powers to provide food. He could have provided food enough for the entire Roman Empire, but his mission is not centered in economics or in overturning social injustice. Jesus' mission is to reveal God's plan of salvation, which was for him to conquer death on the cross and bring life and immortality to all who believe in him. Second, Jesus will not use his power to separate himself from other men, the very ones he came to love. This temptation was, in effect, look out for yourself. This is a common temptation. Author Robert Ringer wrote a best-selling book entitled Looking Out for Number One, How to Get from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. Jesus answered the devil directly, I will not look out for number one. I will continue to depend completely and trust fully in God, my heavenly Father, just as other men must trust him. As a man, Jesus shared our circumstances and modeled complete trust and dependence upon God. It is his example that we seek to daily follow. The second assault and repulse by Jesus is in verse 5. Then the devil took him to a holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels charge over you. This is the temptation to presume upon his Father's power. Verses 5 to 7. Presumption or headstrong confidence can be a constant temptation. There were plenty of steep cliffs in the desert from which a fall would have been fatal. Why not take Jesus to any one of those cliffs? Why the temple? Because the temple is God's house, and Satan wanted to use God's own scriptures against him in his holy place. According to Josephus, the temple pinnacle was 450 feet high above the Kidron Valley. Jesus' answer in verse 7 is succinct and powerful. It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. The servant of God does only what his master commands him to do. If God had commanded Jesus to cast himself down from the top of the temple, then Jesus must obey his Father. 
but to cast himself down expecting his father to save him was presumptuous. It would have been an act of self-will, not of faith and obedience to God. To foolishly put himself into danger expecting God to rescue him would be to tempt God. The lesson learned from the second temptation is that God's promised protection and blessing is only in the path where he has sent us. Obstinacy and self-will always grieve the Holy Spirit. Much Christian work is misguided and ineffective because it is self-directed and self-orchestrated rather than directed and empowered by obedience to God. The third assault and repulse by Jesus takes place on an exceedingly high mountain. It is the temptation to dishonor his father's worship, verses 8 to 10. The devil shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and says, All of this I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Satan is the ruler of this world. He is the God of this age and the prince of the power of the air. He knows that Jesus is ultimately destined to be king over all the earth and that he will one day reign sovereignly over all things. Satan very foolishly believes that he can tempt Jesus to have everything now by simply becoming his second in command. The devil tries to get Jesus to reject God's plan of the cross and resurrection and accept the devil's easier substitute. Such a plan sounds very stupid to us, but Satan is very stupid. His boast, like all his scheming, has a small truth embedded in a great deception and lie. It is true that Satan's servants often ascend to the highest places of government in this world. They rule with authority and power over kingdoms and thrones. But Satan did not say that his gift of kingdoms is only temporary and fades away in time. He did not say that he himself and all his minions are only tools in the hand of the sovereign Heavenly Father who permits them to be in order to accomplish God's eternal will and plan. Jesus sees through the devil's deceptive lie and repels him. The temptation for Jesus was not only to throw away the ideal of his kingdom, but to accept the diabolical doctrine that the end justifies the means. The devil suggested that as long as Jesus obtained universal sovereignty in the end, it didn't matter how he achieved it. This is the greatest of the three temptations. Jesus can avoid suffering and death. He can bypass the agony of the cross. He can have his kingdom without toil or tears or the loss of his life if only he will take a quick bow of the knee to Satan. Beloved, always remember that the reign and rule and will of God can never come by Satan's means. This is what happened to the Israelites in the Old Testament. 
Once they possessed the land of promise, they became self-satisfied. They forgot God. They began to trust in their own powers. What should have been the reign of the people of God with God as their true king became just like another secular kingdom of the world around them. This last temptation teaches us that God's kingdom is his rule over men's hearts and wills, always beckoning them to embrace the beautiful, the good, and the true. How? By loving and worshiping the glorious Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson, bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true through the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. Let's continue our lesson. The way Christ establishes his kingdom is through self-sacrifice, gentleness, and love. Christ is king over all because he is self-sacrificing servant of all. He calls us through his gentle words of grace and truth. He loves us with an everlasting, unstoppable love. For Jesus, the weapons of force are impossible to accomplish his goal, and his followers must recognize this. Too often Christians have tried to fight for Christ using the weapons of the devil by adopting worldly policies or alignments. They have tried to use power to intimidate or manipulate or compel others. This has never succeeded and it never will. Let's draw out the lessons to be learned from the temptations of our Lord Jesus Christ. First, it is always safest to meet temptations, not by our own thoughts or words, but by the eternal word of God. In each of the three temptations, Jesus turned directly to the book of Deuteronomy to use the sword of the word of God against Satan's lies and deceptions. He did not argue with Satan. He did not philosophize. He did not intellectualize. He turned immediately to the word of God. He said three times, It is written, it is written, it is written. In Jesus' case, he had access to the whole Old Testament portion of the scriptures. In our case, we have the added blessing of the whole word written both Old and New Testaments. The Holy Scriptures were his reference point. The will of God was his eager delight. Jesus maintained his trust and obedience because he was rooted and grounded in the truth of the word of God. Second, the three temptations of Jesus are the same three temptations which all of us face. The first one came as the result of hunger. Jesus fasted 40 days, so we know he was very hungry. 
The temptation to turn stones into bread happens whenever the demands of our hungers, the longings of our bodies and senses, call for attention. The longings we have are not wrong. Every human being longs for love, companionship, for meaning, for satisfaction and comfort. None of these longings are wrong. The key is how we satisfy these longings. Our means of satisfying them can be moral or immoral, righteous or unrighteous, loving or selfish. God desires that we surrender our longings to Him, to be satisfied according to His good plan and will for us. The second temptation came as an inducement to reduce God's power to something we can control for our own human purposes. Satan tried to pressure Jesus into presuming upon God's power for selfish reasons apart from God's will. Throw yourself down, Jesus, from this high place and the angels will come and rescue you. You won't be hurt because God will protect you. This is scripture twisting and manipulation to get what we want rather than leaning upon God's plan for us. This appears today as the heresy of the gospel of health, wealth, and happiness. Believe on Jesus, claim promises of wealth taken out of context, and God will bless you with many riches. This is offensive, modern, consumer Christianity that has nothing to do with the historic, elegant, authentic Christian faith. In the third temptation, Jesus was asked to put created things before the Creator and Lord of all. This is the very common temptation to put ourself in the place of God. If we do that, His place is usurped and we banish Him from our lives. To put any created thing in the place of God is tantamount to worshiping the devil. A wise man said, at the heart of all temptations is the act of pushing God aside because we perceive him as secondary or superfluous to all the other urgent matters which fill our lives. Some of you listening today are in a wilderness situation. You are being tempted, perhaps even this very moment. Your defenses are low. You feel lonely and desolate within. All hope seems to be lost. This is when the devil attacks, when our defenses are down and we feel discouraged. Simone Weil said, All sins are attempts to fill voids. That is what the devil does. He tempts us to fill the voids in our hearts with food, material possessions, lusts, desires, power over others, anything to fill the aching emptiness within. But, beloved, gambling, shopping, alcohol, sex, wealth, work, overeating, pleasure, all these temptations can destroy our spiritual lives and drive us far away from God. Why? 
because when we use alcohol or sex or possessions or pleasure to fill our inner needs, we only feel good for a few hours or days, and then we're right back to the emptiness again. The only way a human being can be satisfied is if he is filled with the Holy Spirit of God, if he has Jesus Christ living on the inside. God's promise is that if you will look to Jesus, listen to Jesus, and trust in Jesus through the temptation, he will fill your longings with himself. Beloved, all followers of Jesus Christ face temptations. But the example of our Lord Jesus is that we can endure the temptations and become stronger through them. The Christian life is arduous and difficult. We are assured that we will face temptations and trials. These hardships and temptations are designed to test the quality of our sonship. God doesn't want mechanical slaves to worship him. He wants vigorous, dedicated, alert, wide-awake, persevering men and women with all their powers completely, absolutely devoted to God. The Word of God promises us that the Spirit of God will be our guide, our strength, and our comfort on the journey. Now is the time to ask for the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives, to turn to Him and beg for His strength and help. Jesus, our Master, has already gone before us. Hebrews 2, 17 and 18 says, Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make expiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered and been tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Look to Jesus, love Jesus, follow Jesus, trust in Jesus. Open your heart to him and to the coming of his kingdom within you. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, give us grace to obey you in the midst of temptations and trials we face direct our lives according to your commandments sanctify our souls purify our bodies set aright our minds cleanse our thoughts and deliver us from all calamity wrath and distress directed against us by the devil we pray for all who experience temptation and trial at this moment. Help them, dear loving Savior, and be their strength and defense. We pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
You've been listening to Exaltation on the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. I'm Father David Masterson with Godette Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetteministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. We always appreciate hearing from our listening audience. Share a prayer request with us and we will bring your prayer to the throne of grace. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. <laughs>